shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you see all this happened because they chose not to honor and follow the Lord and all they had to do was honor and follow the Lord and the same is true for us all sorts of things don't have to happen but you and I need to choose we're gonna live the way God teaches us to how do we live The Israelites always had a choice. They could follow God or turn away from Him. While going their own way seemed profitable at the time, they soon realized that it came with curses and trials that so easily could have been avoided. Pastor Daniel will share in today's message just how far and devastating the consequences of these actions could be. He'll warn us to not make the same mistakes. We need to choose to follow God always. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 28 with his continuing study called Blessings and Curses. Sometimes we can do the right thing with the wrong heart. And praise God we did the right thing, but God wants us to have the right heart in doing the right things. Sometimes we do the wrong thing, but we have the right heart. And God wants He acknowledges that our heart was right, but he's like, but we're going to work on how you're doing that. You know what I mean? And at each step of the journey, each season of the journey, there is something else God wants for us to learn. God wants to grow each one of us up. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for, you're like, oh, 20 years. I've been walking with the Lord for 60 years. Today's just another day to simply respond to Jesus. You never get this thing dialed. The purpose of life is figuring out how to do life in Christ. And so no matter where you are today, let God amend your ways by his spirit. Let him say, this is what I want you to, this is what I want to do in you right now. This is the step that I want you to take so that we don't experience all of these things. I mean, we hear about your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes and you shall not eat of it. I mean, in that culture, an ox, a beast of burden, you had to be very wealthy to have one. And the fact that that thing being slaughtered before your eyes and you're not being able to partake of it, that was a complete opposite of what you would expect. Things of your sons and daughters shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long and there'll be no strength in your hand. The idea of not getting to even enjoy your family where your family now is being broken apart. Verse 33, a nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. You read about Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. You read these books and you find the children of Israel, because of their rebellion, is constantly being pressed in by different people, whether it's the Assyrians or the Midianites or, or the Canaanites. And then ultimately you have the Assyrians come on in and you have the Babylonians come on in. If you were with us, as we've been studying the book of Daniel, we talked about the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. Right? So they're experiencing, the children of Israel experience the outgrowth, the effect of their rebellion, where they're having all of these issues. And because of that, 
It says, you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. I mean, what a tragic statement that we see there in verse 34. That literally what they're experiencing and what they're seeing around them is literally going to make them undone emotionally and mentally. And in a lot of ways, unfortunately, I see this in our culture right now. We are so inundated with horrific images and ideas that literally our culture is becoming undone emotionally and mentally. We see it every single day. You have to realize, it's something that I've been really sensitive to because I see it in my own life. There's an old saying that says, garbage in, garbage out. I'm here to tell you, you put negativity and divisiveness in, you're going to get it out of you. The studies, there's psychological researches that people who watch 10 minutes of aggressive political TV commentary in the morning are 80% less happy than people who don't. Literally, like, go look it up. The morning news, because our news media is salacious, you know, pain sells, horror sells. People are way less happy because you're putting that in the morning and then you're living it out all day. But you know, it's funny. There's also research. If you don't check in on technology at all and you just say hi to everybody in the morning, you're going to be way happier just by being cheerful. Because what you put in, you're going to get out. In the same way, if I go on an all-Twinkie diet, which sounds so awesome, if that's what you put in, I'm going to end up looking like a Twinkie. My skin's going to be a little yellow. I'll be creamy on the inside. You know, and if you don't believe me, I mean, there was a great, it wasn't a great documentary. It was kind of terrifying, that Super Size Me documentary that came out a number of years ago where a guy did 30 days of only eating McDonald's. And he had to eat everything. And literally, like, they were taking blood tests before he started. And two weeks into him, he was beginning liver failure. It's horrific. Why? Because, and his whole body, he started being, he was kind of lean and muscular. And two weeks in, he's getting fat and flabby. He's amotivated. He's breaking out with all, and it's like, you're why? And it's like, that, like, but that's cause and effect, isn't it? And so, my friends, listen, your life is your own. But if you find yourself being negative, if you find yourself being angry, if you find yourself being, every time you meet someone, you're a divisive, you got to ask yourself, what am I putting in? Because whatever you put in, you get out. And that's why it says in the book of Philippians that whatever thing is noble, whatever thing is lovely, whatever thing is praiseworthy, whatever thing is of good report, meditate on these things. That's why I always encourage you, man, you should begin your day by looking into the eyes of God and opening up God's word. Read some Psalms. Read the Gospels. Read the writings of Paul and the wisdom literature and get built up and then spend some time in prayer. And then when you go into your shower, put on some praise music and find praise welling up in your heart. There's no better way to begin your day than by getting built up because either things are building you up, edifying you, or they are diminishing you and tearing you down. And let's be honest, by the time you move out into the world, there are so many negative people and so many things go wrong and you go to your job and your boss is riding you and you're busy and all this stuff goes on. And if you don't build yourself up to start today, you are gonna be running on empty before noontime. That's why we start running to get those donuts. We run to get some extra coffee. We like want to tune out and we're supposed to be working, but we're binge watching goofy videos on YouTube because we're tapped out. The beauty of an information saturated culture is that we're saturated with information and the downside of an information saturated culture is we have not had enough time to learn how to process so much information. You realize that you spending 25 minutes watching YouTube 
or watching videos on Facebook, it's so much more stimulation than somebody had 50 or 100 years ago before there was a television. So there's, again, there's benefits. I'm not saying it's all bad, but what I am saying is that you see this madness starting to grip our culture. People don't know how to talk to someone who disagrees with them anymore. I know what's unfortunate is it's true for the body of Christ as well. Like the ability to love someone you disagree with, which is core to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus loved us who were rebels against him. So much so he'd give his own life, self-sacrificially. And we don't even know how to talk to someone who has a different religious belief than we do. We don't learn that from our Bible. We learn that from our culture. And it's driving us mad. I mean, how many of us find ourselves angry at people because we disagree with them rather than loving them the way God loves them? This madness is gripping our culture. But it is an effect of rebellion against God. That's how it happens. Now, when you move into verse 35, it even gets harder because we find that the Lord is precipitating this judgment. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with severe boils that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. The Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. Now, what's amazing here is... Notice, God knows that they're going to erect a king. And this doesn't happen until many generations later. There was no king. I mean, Moses was a leader and Joshua was a leader and there's different judges. But by the time you get to 1 Samuel, the children of Israel decide they want to be like everybody else. So they want a king. And you remember, Samuel said, no, you don't want a king. God is your king. And they said, no, 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 we want to be like everybody else. We want a king. And he said, well, listen, if you have a king, he's going to take all your money and he's going to take all your horses and your sons and daughters are going to work for that guy. And it's not like, no, we want to be like everybody else. So God knows already how this all plays out, that the children of Israel are going to want a king and that these people and their king are going to get sent to a foreign land, which the 10 northern tribes was exiled to Assyria, what, 720-ish BC. And of course, the two southern tribes we knew as Judah got exiled to Babylon, 586 That was the final exile and the destruction of Jerusalem. All these things literally happened. You know, not only that, verse 37, and you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, a byword among all the nations where the Lord will drive you. The idea is because of this radical role reversal, People are going to say, yeah, remember the children of Israel? They left Egypt under this mighty hand and God did these mighty things and God delivered in this land. But now look at them, they're in exile. And it shows that God can bless and allow the effects of rebellion to be so profound that you get both sides, either profound blessings or the worst that you can imagine. And they became that. It's true stories. It goes on, verse 38, some of these, again, more of these practical effects. You shall carry much seed out to the field, but gather little. For the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend to them. And you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes. For the worms shall eat of them. You shall have olive trees. So all these things, nothing's working the way it's supposed to. God's peace, God's shalom, universal flourishing is not happening. Everything's going wrong. But again, he reminds them in verse 45, moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded you. See, all this happened because they chose not to honor and follow the Lord. 
And all they had to do was honor and follow the Lord. And the same is true for us. All sorts of things don't have to happen. But you and I need to choose. We're going to live the way God teaches us to. How do we live? Now, so we pick up, what it says in verse 47. It says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in the need of everything. And you will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, verse 49, from the ends of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly nor show favor to the young. They shall eat of the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle of the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. They shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall eat the fruit of your own body and the flesh of your sons and your daughters whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. The sensitive and the very refined men among you will be hostile toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you in all your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and to her daughter, her placenta, which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you in all of your gates. Now, that's some nasty business, right? What this is talking about now is the climax of these troubles is Old school warfare, besiegement where a foreign nation, a marauding nation would come and encamp around you. And what they would do is because you would have these walls, the attacking nation couldn't get in. So they would make sure that nothing else can get in either. And what they end up doing is they starve you out. So at some point, all your food is gone. And because you can't go out because they're everywhere, then people start starving to death. And when people start starving to death, Unfortunately, people go into survival mode and then you end up having things like, we're talking about people killing their children and eating them. You have this idea of a woman, the idea of eating a placenta, depending on what culture you grew up in. There's lots of cultures who after a baby is born, they make a little party, they cook the placenta, they invite the family over. Not necessarily my thing, I prefer Twinkies, but whatever your thing is, and you're called not knocking the culture. But the idea is even something as edible as the placenta, which a lot of cultures do, a woman won't even share it with her family. See, all these things go so far against the life that God has. I mean, if you were with us when we did our Inside Man series, we saw a besiegement at the time of the prophet Elisha that was so bad that literally people were killing their children and eating them. So we hear it and it's horrifying, but you have to try and imagine what it would be like for a whole city to be starving to death. 
Like, it shows how horrific this situation would become. I'm not condoning it in any way, but if everybody is starving, you know, and a child dies, people begin to eat it. And there's movies that come out of people who are, you know, uh, I remember I saw this one movie where there was a plane wreck and they were like in the middle of a very cold place and people who died in order to survive, they were eating these dead carcasses of people. You know, and you, and you watch these movies, like, I don't know if I could ever do that, but I might be dead. You start asking all yourself all these crazy questions when you, and I'm just watching a movie, not experiencing it in real time. But I want you to notice, right from the beginning, notice verse 47. Why is this besiegement? Why is this horrific stuff happening? Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies. You notice that? All this happens because they would not serve God out of the joy and gladness of their heart because of the God's abundance of blessings. And really this reminds us of the words of that great American theologian, Bob Dylan, Bobby D, that everybody serves somebody. Now I know there's some of you here right now, you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, no, I just serve myself. Well, that is somebody. Whoever you serve, that is your God. And if you're the kind of person like, I don't serve nobody, I don't bow down, I'm an atheist. No, your brain is your God. I'm here to tell you, that's a terrible God. I mean, how many things don't you know? I mean, the smartest person ever only uses 12% of their brain. The amount of things we don't know, we can't even fathom. So everybody has to serve someone. And whoever it is that you serve, you will get the fruit of service of that entity. And I think what's unfortunate is that is why the Bible places a premium on worshiping God and God alone and never letting a good thing become the most important thing. See, God wants to have the throne of your heart. God wants to be the center. And then how you are married or how you are single or how you deal with your kids or how you deal with your job or your career or your passions. All of those flow from letting God be the center. But what happens is if we don't keep God as the center of our lives and the main reason we do everything, other things will take that place. People will serve money. People will make my spouse's happiness or my kid's blossoming, be the all-encompassing passion of their life, and then you become a slave to those things. Become a slave to it. And so God needs to be first place. Because really what goes on is God says, if you won't serve me, I'll actually give you what you want. But you don't realize how bad what you want actually is. See, sometimes God's judgment is giving people the exact thing that they want. And letting that thing that they want be the thing that undoes them. So we need to make sure God is in the center. And so we hear all of this horrible stuff about this besiegement and everything sounds horrible. Now, notice how this chapter kind of closes out. First, we see this trouble having its climax in besiegement. They're still in their land, but then it gets even worse because we move towards exile. Look what it says in verse 58. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear his glorious and awesome name, the Lord, your God. Then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, 
great and prolonged plagues and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of this law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. You shall be left few in number whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. It shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing and you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Verse 64, then the Lord will scatter you among all the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And at the evening you'll say, oh, that it were morning. Because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. And the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again. And there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves but no one will buy you. When you read this and you hear this, it's so horrible that you think to yourself, why would anyone choose this? Right? I mean, like, God is so clear. God says what he means. He means what he says. He lays it right out there in black and white. This is what it looks like. But it all boils down to, if you choose not to honor me and follow me, this is what you get. And my friends, there are some of you here right now who God has laid out the same reality to you and you're like, yeah, I'll take the crap. I'll take that horrible stuff. I'll take it. I'll take the most horrific life possible. And all I want to say to you is, you don't have to make that choice. You do not have to live in a life that is full of curses. Jesus is real. Today's message had a bit of a depressing theme running through it. Disobedience had dire consequences back in the days of Moses. But as Pastor Daniel reminded us today, our disobedience also comes with consequences today. Turning away from God leads down paths where the enemy can cause all sorts of trouble. But we don't have to choose this. Today is a great day to let God speak to you about the path you are on. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus. But I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400, and we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio, and Pastor Daniel takes us to yet another reminder of what Israel's past had to teach them. It was important for them, and for us as well, to remember exactly what God had done in rescuing them from their slavery. He'd walked beside them through the desert, even when they were rebelling against Him. God always provided, and He continues to provide for His people today. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time, as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Cause and Effect. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.